0: Hey, welcome back. It's Steve Noble here on the Steve Noble Podcast, formerly the Steve Noble Show, the radio show, right? the last day there was December 22nd. And here we are finally up and running again. Welcome to uh, our home. We're down in the basement. We set this all up for the studio for this. It's taken longer than I expected. uh, And a few hiccups along the road and getting the equipment right and the lighting right and the software right's been uh, kind of a pain, but happy new year. Great to be back. Feels a little weird. I feel a little rusty, but hopefully we'll dive back in. Uh, just so you know, so the podcast, which I, I hope to record every Friday, will really uh, have three different components. So the components are going to be in the news, some of the things that this week that I think we need to be paying ten- attention to as Christians who live in America. So several news stories there in the classroom, because I want this to be educational and beneficial. So we'll. I want to share some things that we're doing at Noble U this week. We're going to talk about... Uh, world history. We're going to look at the French Revolution. There's a lot to consider there with respect to life in America that I'm trying to teach these young people. So we'll look at that. And then finally, in the book, that would be the book, the Bible. And I want to finish with that each week. And so we'll look at what's in the news, talk about what's in the classroom, education, we all need that. And then in the book, We definitely need that. So that's the way we're going to do this. And then when I have interviews, like I'm going to have uh, pretty soon, uh, Preston Sprinkle has been on the show before. I just got an advanced copy of this book, which is releasing in March, called Exiles, The Church in the Shadow of Empire. It's very thought-provoking, so we're going to get that scheduled with Preston. Here's another book I read recently, Set Adrift, Deconstructing What You Believe Without Sinking Your Faith, Sean McDowell, Josh McDowell's son, and John Marriott. Uh, this was fascinating. If you've heard of that phrase, deconstruction, there's a lot of Christians, particularly young Christians, that say, I deconstructed my faith, and then they walked away. This is actually a guide for them, but there's a lot of things in here that I would want to discuss in an interview. So when I do interviews, like I'm going to talk to our good friend David Fisher with Landmark Capital, Landmark Capital, um, landmarkgold.com is their website. I'm going to talk to him, actually, later today. It'll be our first uh Recording instead of doing money Mondays, we're gonna talk to David every once in a while. So when I do that, we'll just call that a special edition of the Steve Noble podcast with David Fisher or with Sean McDowell or with Preston Sprinkle. So those we'll drop those in when I have an opportunity to interview people. But then the Friday show is gonna be what's in the news, in the classroom, and in the book. Okay. So that's the way we're gonna roll. I'm gonna control some things here. So when you see me looking off camera, I'm just doing the same thing I did in the radio show. Except I don't have Josh here. So So I got to really do all this stuff by myself. So let's start with the brand new intro to the Steve Noble Podcast. Welcome to the Steve Noble Podcast. Tons of truth, lots of grace, but no sacred cows. Now, let the show begin. And there you have it. So welcome to the very first Steve Noble Podcast uh, after 16 years of radio. So it's great to be here. Okay, in the news, I want to start with... Uh, if you watch the Super Bowl, you probably caught the He Gets Us ad, the Super Bowl ad, which I, my wife and I were watching it. We both thought it was kind of creepy. So I'm going to show you that video. If you're, if you're listening uh, just to the podcast, then I'm going to tell you what's in here. okay? But I want you to, to pay attention to this. And there's a bunch of pairings in here with one person washing another person's feet. In this case, it's kind of the radical son watching, uh, washing his conservative father's feet. And it goes from there okay so I'm gonna I'll, I'll tell you if you're just listening I'll tell you what's going on here and then I want to discuss it because this has gotten a lot of controversy in the last week uh and we need to make sure we're thinking correctly as Christians okay so check this out okay there's the radical son washing his dad's feet now you've got the cop washing a young black man's feet Don't ask then you've got kind of a preppy girl washing a punk girl's you know feet then you've got an old guy in the west washing a Native American's feet and then you have a mom that looks like a protester washing an abortion clinic her person's feet, a daughter washing her alcoholic mother's feet, a western guy on the desert washing was it. activist's feet, then you have a preppy looking woman washing she a homeless was woman's feet, a neighbor washing a couple woman's woman's feet, and then two people washing feet in a protest, never never and two old men, white and black, and then a priest washing a gay man's feet. gets us, all of us, in here. Jesus, he gets us, loveyourneighbor.com. Okay, th- there's that. So there's all these pairings, and pretty much all these pairings, you have the conservative person washing the quote-unquote liberal person's feet. So you had the cop washing the young black man's feet, you had the punk, uh, you had the preppy girl washing the punk girl's feet, you had the Western American watching the Native American's feet. You had an abortion protester washing a young girl's feet that was obviously there to get, it looked like to get an abortion. They're outside an abortion clinic. It's all kind of, the, the graphics, as you saw, if you saw the video, were all kind of, kind of cool, new looking. The daughter of the, washing her alcoholic mom's feet. The oil field worker wa- washing the, the girl uh, environmental activist's feet. The suburban mom washing the homeless mom and her baby. She washing the mom's feet. Uh, and then this, uh, American couple washing the feet of a Middle Eastern couple, and then a free speech black girl washing the feet of a no hate speech, uh, Latino girl, a rural old man, uh, has his foot in the same wash bin as an older black man. So that one's kind of neutral. Uh, and then a white priest is washing a black gay guy's feet. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us all of us, Jesus. All right, here's the problem. With all of this, pretty much all of those things in there are the, I'm gonna read into this a bit, the nasty conservative person washing the feet of the more liberal person, because it's always the nasty conservative person that's the problem, because that's us, that's Christians. You're the nasty conservative person. And in order to properly show the love of Christ, you wash the feet of what in this particular ad is mostly uh, liberal. We think politically in this country, unfortunately, but mostly liberal feet. So you, you're the problem, I'm the problem. And we need to wash the feet of these people on the other side of the aisle, the other side of the issue in order to show them the love of Christ. First of all, Jesus only washed his disciples' feet. Now we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. So there's a general teaching there that you probably understand already. But they're misapplying the Jesus washing the feet, he washed the feet of his disciples. Now that included Peter who would deny him three times and that included Judas. So obviously did what Judas did. So, but, but the one another's in scripture, washing feet, that's, that's inside the body of Christ, okay? Now, they're using this as outside the body of Christ. And when you study up on these guys uh, and, and, and what they're all about, like, let me take you to this. Here's the He Gets Us uh, page. He Gets Us has an agenda. How did the story of a man who taught and practiced unconditional love become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? Because this is kind of their about page, right? So you can see it on the screen right there. How did the story of a man who taught um, unconditional love, peace, and kindness, who spent his life defending the poor and the marginalized, a man who even forgave his killers while they executed him unjustly, whose life inspired a radical movement that is still impacting the world thousands of years later, how did this man's story become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? And how might we all rediscover the promise of the love his story represents? Those are the questions at the heart of He Gets Us. So once again, uh, it's all about love, and it is, but you need discernment. Part of love is truth, obviously. That's why Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, for this reason I was born, for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. So these guys, this includes the Hobby Lobby family, Uh, David Green, the, the head of the Hobby Lobby family, and Steve Green runs Hobby Lobby now uh they put a bunch of money into this they they have like a 100 million dollar war chest they did this last year during the super bowl and i thought those ads were a little strange so i think what's going on here and you can read i've got a bunch of articles here about it which i'm not going to take the time to go through but uh this is this 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 i think somewhat naive overreaction to the culture rejecting jesus via you rejecting jesus via me rejecting jesus via theologically conservative christians who now of course have we all have a bad reputation and we hate homosexuals and we hate transgenders and we we hate people that unfortunately have to get an abortion things like that and so how do you how do you push back against that and so there's this overreaction it's kind of like down here in the south when when it snows uh, people are going off the right side of the road they tend to overcorrect and go off the other side of the road that that's what's happening i think with this some, some christian commentators have been going absolutely ballistic go oh, as heresy uh I'm not going to go that far, but it's pretty bad. And it's manipulating in order to please the crowd. Uh, And that's the challenge. Should we be peaceful? Yes, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance, right? It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. But the law has to be there so that they realize they need to repent. And so this is an incomplete kind of softball way. And they're trying to push people to the website. I think they said in the first 24 hours after the ad on the Super Bowl, they had 750,000 visits to the website. Okay, cool. But do you have to compromise the message? And, and, you're, and are, are you presenting a Jesus that actually doesn't exist? You're presenting a, he gets us, gives this feeling that, hey, it's fine. You got an abortion, it's fine. You're homosexual, it's fine. You're this, you're that, you're the thing. It's all fine. It's, it's all good. We're all God's children. And so it sets up another gospel, which is a problem. And most of the like I know the Green family, they know the gospel. I just think there's an overreaction here. The reality is, to those who are perishing, we are the aroma of death. Lost people, I remember, because I didn't get saved till I was 28, lost people, you just don't like it. You don't want to hear it. And so if somebody tries to sugarcoat it, sooner or later, you're going to get to the truth that you're a sinner and you're condemned. You're going to die in your sin. and But there is a way out what Christ provided with his death, burial, and resurrection. And then you're called to a changed life. And that's the sanctification process. So this type of Super Bowl ad sets up, it's almost like like I mentioned earlier, hey, we're all God's children. That's not true. We're all God's creation. We're all his special creation. That's why you have a sanctity of life ethic. Every single person's made in the image of God. Every single person has inestimable worth. Absolutely. But we're not all God's children. Scripture tells us only those who are brought into the family, he gives the right to be called sons or daughters of God. And so we say, hey, don't worry, we're all God's children. That's false hope. That's not truth, and so that's the problem with that. This, this there's a there's a uh, let me show you this one. There's a pastor who within days this week put out the Super Bowl ad they should have made. He saves us, not he gets us, but he saves us. Let me tell you what's on this screen if you're just listening. Same music. Former witch. They show a former witch on this on the scene. Richard Dawkins, former right hand man. He's on the scene. A former jihadist. That's what you're looking at now. A former KKK member. See where this is going? A former drug addict. Amen. A former gang leader. Amen. A former drag queen and prostitute. You're not going to get that on the Super Bowl. A former abortionist. You're not going to get that on the Super Bowl. A former transgender. You're definitely not getting that in the Super Bowl. A former porn star. They might be okay with that one. A former new age guru and a former lesbian activist. Jesus doesn't just get us. He saves us. He transforms us. He cleanses us. He delivers us. He redeems us such for some of you. Okay, that... Just go away, Joe. I didn't need to hear from you. So that's, that's what it should have been. But they're showing in that clip, that pastor that came up with that, what he's showing you is that When you get saved and you become a Christian and you're born again, uh, Jesus changes you. So if you're pro-abortion, you're going to be pro-life. If you think homosexuality is just another lifestyle choice, you're going to see, after you're saved and sanctified and learning, that it's sinful. Transgenderism is a violation of the natural law, the natural order. God created them, man and woman. And so a former transgender, a former porn star, star, Jesus changes people. Yeah, does he get you? He meets you where you're at. He loves you where you're at, but he doesn't leave you there. And he does call you after salvation to a changed life. That's the truth. They weren't gonna go anywhere near that in the Super Bowl, sadly. Shame on those guys that he gets us. And trying to reach more people, you're actually misleading them. And that's not good. That's bad news. Okay, illegal immigration, of course, that's in there. I, did, I didn't I did see this story until just uh, earlier today that ICE, ICE is looking at cutting back Funding, so they're going to go from 38,000 beds to 22,000 beds, which would mean they'd have to release everybody, all these illegal immigrants down there, and they're going to have to release them. That, that's great. Although we've already released, you know, uh, over 2 million last year, uh, approaching 8 million since Biden became the president. And of course, you know where this is going since it's budget cuts. Who are they going to blame? The Senate and, the, and Mitch McConnell, who's barely a Republican. The Senate tries to pass that big bill where they're going to do border security, (laughs) uh, Ukraine, and Israel. So they want it all together so they can ram all that stuff in there, and they don't have to do what the Republicans want to do and what the majority of us in America want to do on the border. And then they turn around and blame the Republicans. So there's a quote in here. from a a Democrat who was a John Tester uh, from Montana, wrote to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, urging them to pass legislation to secure the border. Quote, I am calling on you both to stop playing politics and pass this bill as soon as possible. (laughs) What is happening at the southern border is unacceptable, plain and simple. Montanaans from every corner of my state tell me they want a secure border and a solution to the fentanyl crisis. Yeah, tell your president that. Congress had an opportunity to do both just last week. Unfortunately, both of you used your leadership positions to defeat this bipartisan proposal because it's a bad bill and they got a bunch of other junk in there. Just do it one at a time. Border security. We can talk about Ukraine Ukraine, and help Israel. Separate bills, not one. While those members that joined you in opposing the bill want to leave the border open for another year, no, they don't. Uh, Montanans are fed up and expect their representatives to take, take action now. So, of course, it's the Republicans' fault right? Now, here's another reason. This is, this is really big. I was talking about this with my students in my civics classes and my U.S. history classes uh, on this one. One of the things about illegal, all right, so in this particular uh, article, I think it's from Epic Times, there are 16.8 million illegal immigrants living in the United States. I think that's low. It's over 20 million. Experts warn that the increase in illegal immigration could have a significant impact on U.S. elections. And I know what you're thinking. That's, that's because like in places like New York, they want to let them vote. That actually doesn't have to happen yet. All right. So stick with me. you got to understand this. Experts warn that the increase in illegal immigration could have a significant impact on U.S. elections, specifically representation in the House of Representatives and the Electoral College. Ah, there you go. How does that work? The influx of illegal immigrants could sway the apportionment of House seats, which would impact electoral votes for presidential elections. Here's how this works. Every 10 years, we take a census because we need to know who's in the country. By the way, when you fill out the census, you actually don't have to be a U.S. citizen. Now, there's a whole lot of illegal immigrants that don't fill out the census, probably because they're worried that that's going to be used to track them down. But we're not tracking them down anyway. So, but this is what can happen. They can fill out the census. And now you're adding up to 20 million people into the census. They're mostly going to live in blue states because that's who they see as taking care of them. And that's going to skew the census numbers towards blue states which means you could have states in reapportionment, which is every 10 years, like there's 330 million people in America. Where do they live? Did they move? And so then we have to divide up because it's like, what is it? 761,000 residents per uh, each house seat, per each house district. So now you got to see where they are. So some states lose residents and they might lose a seat in the house. Other states gain residents. They might gain a seat in the house. And then the seats that you have in the house also affects how many electoral college electors you have see what just happened so you can actually start changing elections especially presidential elections based on illegal immigration then if the democrats uh, were to just make them all legal one day and the vast majority of them uh, at least right now are going to vote democrat so they just took control of the presidential election in perpetuity now can i prove have they actually said that in public some little things here and there that would make you think that's what they're doing but I think that the writing is on the wall. I think it's pretty obvious. But pay attention to that because it's political control that's at stake here. And that's what the Democrats want. Democrat Party always likes to say we're for people. We're for the, the down and, and out, the downtrodden, the weak, the poor. Well, people are getting abused, not just at the southern border by the cartels, but for 1,200 mile tracks south of that. They don't care about people. They care about power. And I know that sounds incredibly partisan and ugly, but I think it's just reality. Okay, so that's important. Keep paying attention to that. Media fumes over the scathing report that fueled questions about Biden's mental acuity. That was the her report, which described Biden as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Here's all I want to say about that. That's obviously true. And that's affecting his ability to be the president. That's affecting our place on the world stage. And uh, we'll see what happens between now and November, but keep an eye on this particular story. And as hard as it might be for you and me, let, let's pray for the man. Pray for him, pray for his wife, pray for his staff, pray for some sanity. I actually think this is elder abuse on many levels. So let's just pray for these people. I, I, it's, it, I know we it can go ballistic and it is, this is serious, but as, as followers of Christ... I'm a Christian who lives in America. I'm not an American Christian. And so we're called to pray for those in authority over us. That guy needs prayer. And we all need that, right? We know that. You know that. So let's pray for him. It's just kind of ugly. On all the presidential politics stuff, this was uh, what's going on with um, Fannie. Is that her name? Fannie Willis down in Georgia. This was a little overview from Bill O'Reilly, which I thought was good because now we're in the going full tilt in the presidential election. Then Mr. Trump uh, will have to deal with the legal stuff. Here's where we stand on that. The Georgia vote interference case has blown up over District Attorney Fannie Willis's irresponsible behavior. Yeah, that did not go for well, well for her in the courtroom yesterday when they put her on the stand. She blew up. They had to take a five-minute break. It's really bad. She had a sexual relationship with another guy that she fed some money to, who's also part of the, the Democrat machine down there. It's really ugly. I expect her to be replaced, writes Bill Riley. And if she's not, an appeal will neutralize any guilty verdict. Key question. Was Ms. Willis coordinating with the Biden White House? Looks like she was. That's Bill O'Reilly. The Stormy Daniels hush money case in New York is weak and politically driven. It doesn't seem likely to hurt Trump no matter what happens. The conspiracy case regarding January 6th in D.C. is also weak. Trump has a number of exculpatory facts that raise reasonable doubt. We'll see on that one. That leaves the classified documents Mar-a-Lago situation. Since the Justice Department gave President Biden a pass on the same thing, the Florida federal judge is very likely to be skeptical of the case, which helps Trump a lot, as he might say. A lot, right? Pretty funny, Bill O'Reilly. Never before in the history of this country has politics intruded on an election the way it is now. The Supreme Court has to know how dangerous this is. So we'll see. Just like they, they have to come down with their decision on Colorado, the Colorado Supreme Court. Not caring that you're innocent until proven guilty, let alone the fact that Donald Trump hasn't been charged with insurrection. But the Colorado Supreme Court says, we don't care whether he's guilty or not. We think he is. Therefore, we think he shouldn't be on the ballot based on a Civil War reconstruction amendment to the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> Nice try. Ridiculous. Now this one. Let me finish with this. And then we'll go on to a a little history lesson. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Then there was the parade. And then, you know, there was the shooting. One dead, 20 wounded. Uh, You're not hearing a whole lot about it now. Unfortunately, probably because it was uh, two or three young black men, it would appear, that were involved in the shooting. They weren't out there to kill a bunch of people. They were trying to kill each other. And... It's just horrific. But nobody likes to talk about that. But here's, a, here's an article that's just heartbreaking. And so the question is, for me and for you, how do you respond to the realities of what this article is talking about? Here's the, here's the headline. 60% of firearm homicides each year involve black Americans. It has been revealed that black Americans account for 60% of all firearm homicides, which is vastly disproportionate, considering the group makes up only 14% of the U.S. population. Actually, black males make up about 7% of the U.S. population, and the overwhelming majority of the gun violence is black males that we're talking about here. The data comes from a recent study conducted by the Brady Center to prevent gun violence. The firearm death homicide rate among black people in all age groups has an average of 21 per 100,000, while non-Hispanic white people had a rate of 1.93 per 100,000. So 1.93 per 100,000 versus 21 per 100,000. White to black. It's horrible. In the 18 to 24 age bracket, black people had a firearm death rate of 58.78 per per 100,000 compared to 3.1 per 100,000 for white people in the same age bracket. So 18 to 24, which is where the biggest difference was found in this data. Gun violence rose to the top cause of mortality for all children in 2020, while the Brady research shows that it has been a top cause of death for black children since 2006. Since 2006? We dance around this one. We, by, by we, I mean uh, white people in general, uh, conservative media, a lot of other mainstream media. We dance around it. And, and, and it's because if, as soon as you start talking about stuff like this, of course, charges of racism will come up. But as a Christian, I'm not, I, I'm looking at this black community, our our brothers and sisters, in terms of the human race, there's, one race, right? There's different ethnicities, different melatonin skin colors, but one race. And, and it's so heartbreaking. The older I get, the more I've studied these things, the more heartbroken I get. And so we, we should be lamenting about it. Be very careful if your skin's light like mine. Be very careful about how you talk about this stuff. But we need to be praying for, and here we go again, prayer. We need to be praying for the African-American community. Pray for leadership. Pray for the churches. Pray for the reunification of the family. Thank you, federal government, which has funded the destruction of the black family. And remember, every government in the history of the world is deeply satanically uh, empowered, including ours. The Bible is perfectly clear. That's why we're going to talk about that when I interview Preston Sprinkle about this book, Exiles. The, 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 The Bible shows the necessity of government, but it never shows it as being this awesome thing. And, and it's the prince of the power of the air satan's all over the levers of power including american power so we have to approach these things as christians before we approach them as americans but on this one I've, I'm, I'm sitting there as soon as you see one picture that one of the shooters at the kansas city chiefs parade is, is an african-american you're like okay well there goes that story and largely that's true what what would happen if it'd been a white guy with an ar-15 or whatever Is it a Trump person, a white nationalist, probably a Christian, right? All that stuff, it's just fuel for the fire. But because it was unfortunately and statistically probable, which sounds horrible, doesn't it? Statistically probable that the shooters were young African-American men? And then that's the fact. It's just just heartbreaking. So pray for the African-American community. Pray for our brothers and sisters in the faith in the African-American community. Ask the Lord if there's anything you can do besides prayer. In conversation and bringing it up but be delicate be careful you have to be very careful with this and so it's just it's just heartbreaking okay in the classroom this was fascinating uh we've been studying the french revolution the last couple of weeks get you into the napoleonic age and a lot of things that were going on in the french revolution what happened during the middle ages so this is in my noble you world history class NobleUSchool.com. If you want to check that out in the world history class when you've going through the middle ages is when you see the birth basically the middle class you've got nobility and you've got people that own land and then you've got all the peasants down there on the bottom who barely are able to survive it's a horrific system lasts for a couple hundred years but then you start to see some commerce and that's when you get these uh, fairs and trade fairs in these little towns and that's where you start to get the birth after 5,000 years of human history, of of what we would t- today call the middle class. And all of a sudden, well, if I can make a few extra crops, I can go down to the fair and sell it. I have a little extra money. What can I do with that money? And so that was the whole feudal system that eventually started to come apart. But Europe was still all about, and this goes into American history, all about kings, and queens, the power of the Roman Catholic Church, centralized power which is almost always corrupt eventually because of human depravity so when you look at the european revolution and the french revolution running side by side with the american revolution in the american revolution you have you still at that time especially on the heels of the the first great awakening you have a, a very effective influence of biblical christianity so when we go through the American Revolution, there's there's some guidelines there. There's a there's a moral compass out of scripture. And you don't have that in all the European revolutions of the late 1700s, early 1800s, especially in the French Revolution. But they're trying to do things like they came up with this. They came up with, uh, at one point, they, they were all about, I mean, tell me if this sounds good to you. So they had a national convention, uh, constituent assembly this was in. Uh, France 1789 to 91 they passed more than 2,000 laws they did a thing called the declaration of the rights of man in 1789 they're looking across the Atlantic seeing things going well here and they're like hey we can't we do that too listen this is what was part of their declaration of the rights of men men and are born and remain free amen preservation of natural rights is the aim of every political organization it should be thank you John Locke liberty the power to do anything that doesn't injure others I'd, I'd refine that a little bit, but they're on the right track. Law is the expression of the general will. Innocent till proven guilty. This is right before the French Revolution. No one should be disturbed because of his opinions, even in religion. Cool, right? So everything starts to melt down there because you have, in France at the time, 97% of the population were middle class and poor, mostly poor. And then the top 3% were nobility and clergy, right? So you think class warfare is new. It isn't. It's about 6,000 years old. So it's just fascinating to watch what happens over there. And as they try to figure it out and they go from one constitution to the next and one type of Congress to the next, and eventually in all that chaos, uh, they, they end up beheading uh, King Louis because he just is not yielding to what the people want. The people want a lot of the things that we have over here, but they just don't have the same foundation. They're, they don't have the guardrails of any kind of biblical moral compass. A little bit because of the Reformation, but not much. So they take off King Louis's head. And then, and then nature abhors a vacuum, right? So they keep trying different things. They pass, another, they pass another constitution. And eventually, they place the hopes of the defense of France in the hands of a young general named Napoleon Bonaparte. And that's where you get 1796 to 1821, which we now call the Napoleonic Period. And he comes in, and, and he actually did some things. They looked at, up to him. He did some great things for uh, the renewal of, of life in France. And then, of course, there's a coup d'etat, which is the same thing. It's literally, I start my U.S. history class and my world history class with, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, and guess what? He's right. And so we talked. I take him down this road, and I'm like, does this sound familiar? Have we seen this again? You want to know why this is so predictable, why it's not a surprise from a Christian perspective? Because the Bible does a great job above all other religious claims, other all other religions. The Bible does the best job by far of helping us understand human nature. And so it explains everything, all the Lego in the box, as I like to say. And then when you go through and mess with the Lego, you pretty much know what's going to happen. So it's the same story over and over again, including with Napoleon. So, of course, he's going to eventually take advantage of his power and his position. And then you get a coup d'etat and he takes over. And then he tries to spread uh, around Europe. But he starts with this, like domestic reforms. Okay, it starts good, right? This is like the American experiment. The federal government starts does a lot of good stuff. And then Katie barred the door. Uh, Public works programs, the Bank of France, a standardized monetary system, an equitable tax system, a system of public education. Wow, cool. And then he did Code Napoleon. This established the civil criminal and commercial laws of France. He also restored certain privileges to the Roman Catholic Church, which wasn't so popular with Protestants. And then that just goes off the rails. And eventually other people start. uh, He's defeated. They send him back to a a little uh, island off the coast of Italy. He comes back. Then all the, all the big countries in, in Europe uh, gather together. They defeat him once and for all at Waterloo. Then they end up sending him to this tiny little island down in the South Pacific where he dies six years later. But then you have all these other, we talked about it this week, all these other revolutions, including in France. Another, and Napoleon's nephew comes to power a few years later. You're like, really, guys, you're going to do this again? Yes. And so with students, just to show them, the beauty and the power of a biblical worldview that can help you understand what's going on anywhere on the planet at any time on the planet. But it's fascinating then to look at all of these other revolutions who are really trying to do what we did. By God's grace, the American Revolution worked. We got the Constitution. We've only had one. France has had like eight. And, and, and I'm trying to get our students, my students to see just how blessed this country is. Not perfect. I'm not wrapping myself in the flag. I'm not going to go up and kiss the flag like Donald Trump did. I'm not going to do it. But there's a lot of things about our country that are a blessing, and we should thank God for it. But like I said earlier, I I see myself now not as an American Christian, as a Christian who, by God's grace, was born in, raised in, and lives in America, which I can make a really good case. is the greatest country that's ever existed. But we have a lot of sin on our ledger. You do. I do. The country does. So I want my students to be humble about America and truthful about America and understanding worldview, whether it's world history, U.S. history, civics, Christian ethics. So it's just been fascinating to go down this road with them. So each week I'll pull something out of what we're doing in one of my classes and and share that with you in hopes that that's a blessing and helps educate you. I think we all need some work on all of these subjects, so we'll do that. Okay, finally, in the book, and then we'll be done. Okay, this is, uh, I know this looks like a big beast, doesn't it? Uh, This is called, I got this from our son, Hayden, a couple years ago. And this is called an ancient faith study Bible, the ancient faith study Bible. And the thing that's super cool about this is all the study notes in here, right? So a regular study Bible, all the study notes are written by church fathers somewhere between 300 A.D. and like 800 A.D. And what's wild about that, and I'm going to share one particular thing today because I'm going through the first, the uh, the New Testament in a year. And right now I'm, I'm on the Bible app, and this is Matthew 27, verses 1 and 2. So we did it in the news, we did it in the classroom, now we're doing it in the book. Uh, and the cool thing about this, when you look at this ancient faith study Bible, and again, it's beautiful, I would, I would highly recommend it, the ancient faith study Bible, is that uh, the consistency of the understanding of scripture amongst people that are learned is amazing. I'm reading things from literally 1,500 years ago, 1,600 years ago, even 1,700 years ago, and I'm like, yeah. I'm totally with you. In 2024, I'm totally with, in this case, Leo the Great. Who's Leo the Great? (laughs) Okay. Uh, He was a pope, Leo I. Uh, He was born around 400 AD, died around 461, also known as Leo the Great, was Bishop of Rome from 29 September 440 until his death. Leo was a Roman aristocrat and was the first pope to have been called the Great. He's perhaps, don't let the pope thing make you all nutty now, okay? This is early on. He is best perhaps known for having met Attila the Hun in 452 and persuaded him to turn back from his invasion of Italy. <laughs> is that wild? He's also a doctor of the church, most remember theologically for issuing the Tome of Leo, a document which was a major foundation, to the debates of the Council of Chalcedon, which is huge, the fourth ecumenical, ecumenical council. That meeting dealt primarily with Christology and elucidated the orthodox definition of Christ's being as the hypostatic union of two natures, Divine and human, united in one person, with neither confusion nor division. Okay, so it, it, this is so. Here's Matthew twenty-seven one to two, from the Ancient Faith Study Bible, which is the uh, stand, uh, CSB, Christian Standard Bible. When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After try, after tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Okay, now this is the note. From Leo the Great, about that passage that I just read to you. This is amazing. I hope this blesses you. It blew me away. O oh, religious leaders of the Jews, this morning was far from your time of ascendancy as it might have seemed to you. Your sun was, in fact, your sun was in fact, beginning to set. The dawn you expected did not come. A night of blackest darkness was brooding over your spiteful hearts. Out of this morning would come the overthrow of the temple and its altars, the surpassing of the law and the prophets, the undoing of the kingship and priesthood, turning youth to continual lament. For you set out that morning on a mad and bloody course. You offered up to die the author of life, the Lord of glory. Pilate, that terror-stricken judge, was overcome by your shouts, so that he chose a man for pardon who was a murderer, meaning. Uh, Barabbas, and demanded the crucifixion of the Savior of the world, Leo the Great. So that was written, it's the English translation, obviously, that was written around 430, AD, almost 1600 years ago. It's so cool to see the consistency of the understanding of scripture and that kind of beautiful writing, which we just don't communicate like that anymore. It's just amazing. So, hopefully, that just blessed your heart. And again, that's the, if, if this is really, it's, it's killer. I just love this. Christian Standard Bible. It's the ancient faith study Bible. Beautiful, hardbound. Thank you, uh, Hayden Noble, for giving me that for Christmas two years ago. That's what I use uh, when I'm reading scripture each morning. It's, it's just, <laughs> I just can't recommend it enough. Okay, there we go. We're done. First podcast out of the way. I'm going to talk to David Fisher here in a little bit. We'll get that posted as soon as possible. So, remember, each week on the regular Friday podcast, in the news, in the classroom, in the book. I'll play around with that for a while. We'll see how it goes. I'd love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow uh, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Rumble. And then we're putting it up as usual on uh, Spotify, which we're trying to get the video up there. Uh, Google Play. Apple Podcasts, as well as iHeartRadio. Always make sure you like that and give us some good reviews, and that'll help push the content around, and hopefully it's a blessing. It's great to be back in here. It's great to be back with you. Uh, I'm going to pray for you to finish up the show each week, uh, and then we'll be done. But thank you so much for jumping back in, and it's great to be here, and I hope I can be a blessing to you uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for my friend here that is watching or listening. I just pray you bless them. Lord, help them with whatever's going on in, in, in their life right now challenging things the disappointing things the painful things lord help them to count their blessings to see the things that are glorious we know that every good gift comes down from the father of lights so lord help us not to skip over the good things and just concentrate on the bad things but i I know the bad things in our lives are tough so i just pray you would bless my friend bless them with your peace your understanding your wisdom your discernment lord Help them through whatever is challenging them and help them to glorify you and everything that they say, think, and do. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday and be more like him tomorrow than we are today. So I just pray your manifold blessings over my friend. And I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. And like my father always used to say, ever forward.